Good morning. Welcome to Real Time with IPELRA, a podcast dedicated to HR topics in local government. I'm Megan Falera. And I'm Christina White. Thanks for joining us. Today, we are joined by Mary Lynn Fiomi, the president and CEO of HR Source. We are so excited to have her join us. Mary Lynn is a highly respected speaker, prolific writer, facilitator, advisor, and an accepted authority on organizational issues, including workplace culture, employment trends, people management, and leadership. Mary Lynn, how are you today? We are so excited to have you join us. Well, I'm equally excited. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. And we were talking just before we got started here, um, and the reason we invited outstanding article for your newsletter, a National Disability Employment Awareness Month. And I never expected that we would get the president and CEO of HR Source. So we are just delighted to have you. Can you explain the purpose of uh, this, this event and the article that you wrote? Certainly. Um, so the event was created to commemorate the many contributions of people with disabilities to the American workforce and the economy. It's held every year and it's led by the U.S. Department of Labor's Office of Disability Employment Policy. But truly, its spirit lies in the observances that are held on a grassroots level around the country. I did a little research on the history, and it actually dates back 76 years to 1945, when wow. Congress, yeah, it's, I couldn't believe it had been around that long. And it um, was originally Congress enacted a law um, declaring just one week in October uh, the National Employ the Physically Handicapped Week. But in 1988, 33 years ago, they expanded it from a week to a month and they changed the name to the current name National Disability Employment Awareness Month. Now, how did you first become aware of this monthly celebration? You know, it was kind of by accident. Um, as you mentioned in my bio, I write and I speak a lot. And so I read, you know, daily newspapers, lots of online newspapers and newsletters. And I'm always looking for topics related to the economy, the American workforce, employment law, talent. And so I really stumbled across it. Um, and again, because of some um, personal um, connections I have with this topic specifically. Uh, it caught my eye, but I also really thought it was important to bring the attention to our member organizations, as well as other employers who follow HR Source on social media. Well, that's fantastic. Um, and as this episode airs, the theme this year for the awareness is America's recovery powered by inclusion. And we are currently at the IPELRA annual training conference where we are also looking to promote these ideas. Can you comment on why you think this theme was selected this year? You know, I think the theme is so perfect for this year. American employers and American workers have been through a real difficult time, or as we hear over and over again, unprecedented due to the pandemic. And employers are struggling to find talent to fill their positions, and they're looking high and low, far and wide for additional sources of qualified applicants. So I think this year's theme, uh, America's Recovery Powered by Inclusion, 
really reflects the importance of people with disabilities having full access to employment and community involvement during this recovery from the pandemic um, as employers really are challenged to compete for talent in this competitive marketplace. And I, I think that's so important. Now, how do you um, think this theme fits with other efforts to expand diversity, equity, and inclusion programs in the workforce? You know, once again, I think it's a perfect fit. Uh, many people mistakenly believe that DEI programs only refer to race or ethnicity or perhaps gender issues. And that's much too narrow of a view. Really effective DEI, or as many people now say, DEANI, acceptance is included in there. Um, those type of initiatives really should embrace all forms of diversity, including disability. And with the major impact that the pandemic has had, not only on physical health, but truly on mental health, many employers are expanding their communications, their benefits, and their resources to make sure that their definition of disability is broad enough to include all people with disabilities, many of which are invisible or certainly underreported in any given workplace. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm, it's so sad that it's taken this long for, for this status to get to the forefront where we're finally having recognition and awareness uh, for it. I don't know if you had the opportunity to see the Frida Kahlo exhibit when it was here at College of DuPage, but I went and I was, um, you know, she's a fabulous artist. She's talented. I really had no idea of the disabilities that she suffered. And one of the I'm, takeaways that I got from seeing that exhibit was that um, we don't just celebrate people with disabilities and say, wow, you have a disability, good for you. It's you have a disability and look what else you can do to celebrate and focus on their contributions and not just uh, in spite of whatever um, disability they have. So true. I heard that exhibit was just incredible. I'm sorry I missed it. Well, it, yeah, it is too bad. Hopefully it comes back um, because she, she was a wonderful artist who um, made many contributions in spite of whatever obstacles she faced in her own personal life. Now, Mary Lynn, in your opinion, how has COVID-19 and the pandemic impacted the employment of people with disabilities? Well, I'm going to share not only my opinion, but also share some statistics because they really tell the tale. Uh, COVID-19 has had a devastating impact not just because of the health risks that COVID-19 posed for people with disabilities, but also more specifically due to the lost wages, the job losses, and the long-term unemployment suffered by people with disabilities. So the Bureau of Labor Statistics is you know, an organization we turn to for um, information like this about unemployment. And I'll just share a few statistics, which again, really paint the picture. So uh, in 2020, only 17.9% of people with disabilities were employed, which is down from 19.3% in 2019. So again, very sad if you look at it from the other perspective, that means you know a very high rate of people with disabilities that weren't employed. This compares to those without a disability 
at 61.8% in 2020. Now, the pandemic, as we know, had initially a really big impact on unemployment. So in during the peak of the pandemic, the unemployment rate for those with disabilities, and again, those are people who are looking for work, wanting to work, went from up to 12.6%, and at some points was even higher than that, compared to the general population, which was 7.9%. A couple of other key factors that I think are really interesting and important to note, and that is that the chances of someone being disabled increase with age. So over half of all people with disabilities are over age 65. But the impact or the unemployment of people with disabilities occurs regardless of age. And it also occurs regardless of educational attainment. Some people might, you know, hypothesize that, you know, people with disabilities have less education and therefore are underemployed. And that's not what the data bears out. It's also an interesting thing to note that. 16% of the general population are employed in part-time positions, while 29% of those with a disability are only able to find part-time work. A couple of other things I think might just be of note, there are major differences by industry. Uh, so those who were employed in the service industry uh, who had disabilities were obviously hit the hardest. But also it's important to keep in mind that many of the support systems that so many individuals uh, as well as families um, of people with disabilities also were going through a very tough time with employees um, you know, being impacted by COVID personally, having family members who had COVID or were having to quarantine due to exposures dealing with elder care and child care issues, state ordinances, you know, causing some workplaces to shut down. Um, so a lot was happening that was making it difficult for those who required support in order to maintain employment to receive that support, which is so essential for them going out to work every day and being an effective contributor in an employment setting. Right. I think it's important to keep in mind, too. I mean, we've all gone through our own personal struggles with the pandemic and have our, had our own personal fears. And some of us have even gotten to the point of saying, I'm over it, I'm done with COVID, and I'm moving on. But for those who have compromised immune systems or a disability or are the most vulnerable in our populations, this is still very live and well for them. And I think that's important as employers for us to keep in mind as we think about return to work policies and and uh, overall employee attitudes about uh, the virus and how it might affect all of us. So true and very important to keep that in mind as we move forward. What else do you think is important that a, a employers are aware about with people with disabilities and, and um, as, as it relates to our workforce and our economy? Now, uh, some of the issues related are definitely um, related to talent. Um, and ensuring that your policies and practices um, not only have, um, you know, a focus on legal compliance, 
but that the day-to-day practice of engaging with potential applicants, current employees um, for all terms and conditions of employment, that you're leveling the playing field and ensuring that you're taking all opportunities to enhance communications and enhance the opportunities for those who either have a short-term challenge or a long-term issue um, that could be related to a disability, that you're making it, you know, the term has become kind of common, but frictionless, you know, reduce Mm -hmm. the friction and the challenge to work with you as an organization. So what barriers exist? Taking a good hard look at everything from your hiring practices to your onboarding, um, as well as your training opportunities, promotional opportunities. Do you have barriers that are either clear to the naked eye or slightly invisible um, that you could improve upon? And I can see why this goes hand in hand with diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. Uh, Your colleague, Sonal Shaw, was on the show uh, one or two seasons ago, and she presented this great analogy um, of people looking over the fence and giving them, you know, if if they're all different sizes and everyone stands on a box, well, then some people may have still have a better vantage vantage of the site to be seen, and some people still haven't gotten there. So I think... um, recognizing what the needs are and like you said creating a frictionless path and really making ourselves more pliable to create entry and inclusion for people with disabilities in our workforce is essential now i know sonal mentioned that diversity makes us better and there's clear tangible data on how that's the case but what potential benefits to employers exist for recruiting and hiring people with disabilities in your opinion Wow, there are so many benefits. And fortunately, there are also quite a few studies out there that, you know, make me confident to say they're not just my opinion, but they are also um, true scientific findings that many of these things, the good accrues to the employer and the person with a disability. So on the employer side, improvements in profitability, decrease in turnover, increase in retention, improved employee loyalty, improved company image, uh, improved competitive advantage because you have the ability to attract diverse customers, which again increases customer loyalty and satisfaction, improved productivity, better work ethic, a more positive culture, and of course, a better awareness of disabilities and ability awareness. And then for people with disabilities, you know, first and foremost, improved quality of life, which comes about through improved income, enhanced self-confidence and expanded social network and sense of community are all wonderful benefits that accrue to those with disabilities who are able to find gainful employment. I I think that was very well said. And I've always enjoyed working in a diverse environment. Um, I think about my education, my background, and I always say I learned just as much laterally as I did horizontally from the people I was sitting next to. Um, If we surround ourselves with people that are just like us, it doesn't really expand our intelligence or our thinking about anything. And, And I've I've loved throughout my life learning more from the people I've sat next to than what's been taught in the class. 
How can employers let the public know that they're interested in hiring persons with disabilities? Oh, there's lots of ways. So everything from their marketing efforts to brochures, certainly your website, social media posts, uh, employee referral programs. You can use a tagline um, that refers to your inclusive efforts in your job postings. You can publish articles or testimonials from people with disabilities who you employ. I'm going to mention this a couple times, but a statement of support from your CEO or your leadership that indicates your organization's support for hiring and promoting people with disabilities. And then on really a tactical, practical note, while there are many programs out there available um, for organizations to pay less than minimum wage to encourage them to um, hire people with disabilities. There is an increasing call for organizations to not pay at that sub-minimum wage in order to show that they um, value the contributions of people with disabilities and aren't just hiring them to, you know, pay less than minimum wage. Sure, sure. Now, Marilyn, we're going to get a little personal here. You write in the article that you're supportive of all DEI efforts, but that this particular one has a deeper meaning to you. Would you mind telling us more about that? Of course not. I am so proud to be the mother of an adult son who was diagnosed as a young child um, in the autism spectrum. And I'm so thrilled to report that today he is gainfully employed, not only at a in a full-time position, um, but also he, since he was a teenager, his passion has been movies uh, and has worked at a movie theater almost continuously for the last 12 years as his part-time job. He also was recently named uh, a Chicago independent film critic. He wow. has had a hobby of writing movie reviews uh, for a long time and finally had his work recognized. So now he's part of um, a really wonderful circle of film critics and gets, you know, passes to new releases. He was at the James Bond movie um, the night it, it premiered in London. He was here at the simulcast in Chicago in a front row seat. And so he has greatly benefited from employers who were willing to take a chance on him and they have reaped many of the benefits that I just listed a little few minutes ago um, because he now lives independently, uh, drives, has a great group of uh, professional colleagues that he's met through his jobs and is living an adult independent life that frankly we never thought possible um, when he was a young child and first got his diagnosis. So employment wow. has been instrumental to that success story. Well, it sounds like it's really been a mutually beneficial relationship that he's able to make significant contributions to the industry. And in turn, um, it's really helped him uh, develop and, and kind of have a more sustainable life on his own by simply by virtue of being employed. Do you have any suggestions to share from experience on ways to gain support from others in the workplace, such as mentoring programs or other types of assistance that may be helpful to employees with disabilities? 
Definitely. Again, I would start with that statement from the C-suite that really connotes that the organization is supportive. And then following that up with visible signs, action steps, which demonstrate the support. So just a few examples um, might include starting an employee resource group, reviewing your policies, offering training for managers and supervisors, educating your employees by posting, you know, not just the National Disability Employment Awareness Month poster, but other types of posters, perhaps even having a book club or a book discussion, social media posts, and then connecting perhaps. There are so many organizations that have wonderful programs um, that promote and really facilitate the employment of people with disabilities, um, you know, finding ways to connect with those organizations. And then really on a simple day-to-day level, and it's not so simple, but it has to become part of your practices. And that is taking accommodation requests seriously Mm. and showing true interest in being supportive and finding ways to accommodate people with disabilities um, in you know unique ways that are specific to each and every situation. Don't paint with a broad brush, but take all requests seriously. And as you, it's a great example during the pandemic, so many people are suffering from burnout, anxiety, ongoing, you know, challenging, stressful situations and just finding out um, through conversation and outreach if there is anything the organization can do to support them or accommodate them to help them work through um, whatever situations they may be facing is also just so important on a practical day-to-day basis. Absolutely. And I I want to get back to something you said earlier and bring Christina into the conversation too. You mentioned D-E-A and I, and the A is for allyship. Now, I know, Christina, you um, have always been a strong ally of NAMI and other um, mental health support groups. What can we do to demonstrate our allyship in this capacity? So are you asking me? I thought maybe you were asking Christina. <laughs> I think either one could answer. Does anyone have any suggestions? I mean, I like the idea of um, support groups or training or work readiness programs, uh, perhaps for people with disabilities seeking employment. I like uh, the idea of um, posting messages on our websites, again, creating that inclusive environment. But what other, just brainstorming here, if either of you are aware of any other allyship um, opportunities or ways that we can demonstrate that we are allies to this community? Well, I mentioned just briefly, and you mentioned NAMI, which is also a long-term member of HR Source. We are so fortunate in Illinois to have just a plethora of organizations right here in our region that we can work with and, and partner with that can help us with our efforts. So a few that are near and dear to my heart because they've either worked with my son or they are member organizations, um, our turning point. Uh, Thresholds, Ray Graham Association, Helping Hand, Aspire, 
and then some others that I don't know quite as well, but many of our members work with, Lighthouse for the Blind, Annexter Center, Little City, and then many organizations, Walgreens probably being the most well-known, have really taken a lead in these uh, transitional work groups and initiatives related to the hiring uh, promotion, support of people with disabilities. So, I mean, again, that's on the far end of the continuum with regard to a very active and proactive approach to hiring and supporting people with disabilities. But there are so many kind of baby steps you can take sure. to get started and also wonderful organizations that you can partner with throughout Illinois that not only can help connect you with specific programs, but connect you with talent that can right. help you fill your positions and can help you facilitate um, the expansion of your efforts um, by showing you the way and really demonstrating how easy it is if you're willing to put in the time and effort. And why not? in this environment where the demand for talent is far exceeding the number of applicants that are responding to any given job posting? If not now, then when is my right. question. Well, and I like your suggestion of networking. We we had uh, Jerry Kiger, the executive director of NAMI DuPage on the show a little while ago as well. And IPELRA, um, we kind of boast ourselves as not only providing excellent training, but also as creating a place where other professionals can network. Well, we need to think outside of our own professional society and perhaps network with others. So I love the idea of connecting kind of, a, a, you know, a, across the aisle here with other organizations and, and tapping them for resources like talent when, when we as employers are seeking that. Now, does HR Source have any resources specifically to help with DEI programs or recruiting and relating, uh, retaining rather, employees with disabilities? Yes, we sure do. And we're developing more all the time in response to our member requests for support and resources. So uh, just to name a few, uh, our Engage HR team uh, works with employers directly on their recruiting efforts. So that could be something as simple as just requesting um, some brainstorming assistance for additional places to advertise or expand your outreach efforts, which could go all the way through turning over your search to our organization to have us help with that. We also have a DEI roundtable. We do all sorts of training in this arena on topics like valuing diversity and unconscious bias training. We developed uh, last year a DEI perception survey that many of our members have rolled out with their team members to assess where they are on the continuum of DEI efforts. And then since the 1980s, we've helped uh, thousands of organizations with their affirmative action efforts. Uh, we write many, many hundreds of affirmative action plans a year for our government contractors. And we, in addition, kind of a, a tie back to your last question is because we work with so many organizations that offer and um, have missions related to people with disabilities of all types um, can also help make really meaningful connections and referrals to other organizations that 
who might be able to partner with you more effectively if you're trying to jumpstart your disability efforts? Well, Mary Lynn, I cannot thank you enough for your time and your expertise and for your passion on this topic. Listeners want to get in touch with you or if they'd like more information on this topic or any of the others that you mentioned, how can you be reached? Well, I'm very easy to find. Uh, First of all, our website is hrsource.org. And my email is mfayumi at hrsource.org. You can also just send a general email from our website and check out uh, our hundreds of thousands of articles uh, that we have there available, lots of resources. Uh, You can sign up for our weekly newsletter Um, which has current information. It's authored by our team every week on current issues facing employers. Uh, And we look forward to interacting with um, both our members as well as other employers who want to learn more. And I've got to say that that weekly newsletter is great. I mean, we we need to continually sharpen the sword. Every time I get that, I think of something new. It it kind of pokes my brain. So I, I can't thank you enough for that. And and listeners, if you have anything you want to say, know that we're listening. Send us a recorded voice message we can play or join us on a future podcast. Connect with us through the IPELRA website at www.ipelra.org. And of course, on Twitter at I-P-E-L-R-A. Support IPELRA by becoming a member. We are dedicated to providing training and resources to HR and labor professionals and local government. Stay tuned next month when we talk about navigating a harassment and discrimination-free workplace. We have a trio of attorneys coming from Trussler in a three-part series. I'm Megan Falera. And I'm Christina White. Our executive producer is Kay Argo. And this has been Real Time with iPalra. Thank you so much for joining us.